Hello and welcome to Train of Thought. My name is Rob Tobias. My guest today is Linda Heil. She's with 350.org Eugene. And her email said she's the coordinator for the Drawdown Eugene campaign. Welcome, Linda. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, tell me what, about what Drawdown Eugene campaign is all about. Sure, I will. Let's start with the big picture there. People often ask what 350 Eugene is about. 350 Eugene is the local chapter of 350.org, and that's an international climate activism uh, organization. Um, people also ask, why that number? What's 350 about? Um, and essentially, 350 indicates the uh, atmospheric conditions for carbon that are compatible with a stable climate and a livable world. And specifically, it means 350 parts per million of carbon in the atmosphere. And we're now well over to rather 415 parts per million. Wow. Uh, the local chapter, 350eugene.org, was started about six years ago by three local women. And we've grown since then to over 2,000 community supporters. Wow. We have many, many uh, different campaigns and uh, work groups, everything from uh, really grassroots local work like working to be sure that there's uh, improved uh, biking and walking infrastructure in our city, mm-hmm. all the way up to federal action, meeting with our uh, federal legislators about the obscene carbon footprint that the military in our country uh, has and everything in between. Um, so, so we have lots and lots of different campaigns and, and uh, work groups. So just to get a sense of the emergency of our climate situation, 350 uh, parts per million or parts, whatever, uh, was at one time considered kind of a tipping point, wasn't it? Well, um, you could look at it that way. Um, <clears throat> again, it's it's where we would like to be. It's where we what we would like to pull the carbon back down to if we it, were going to stabilize it would be a our hel- climate. It would be healthy for the planet exactly. if we could get it That's, back to 350. You've got it, yes. And uh-huh. every small increment that we add on to that only makes things worse. You know, the um, the global temperature has already risen by almost one degree centigrade in the past 300 years. And, of course, that uh, uh, aligns with the invention of the um internal combustion engine. Sure. And that's how we know that this rise in global temperature is because of the burning of fossil fuels. Of course, over the history of the world, the climate has fluctuated from cold to hot many, many times, but that's happened over thousands of years or tens of thousands of years. And we've seen us, we've definitely seen a spike in the last, what, um, well, the last 50 years, but yes. but you're also saying from when the combustion engine came about, which exactly. is yeah, 100, 100 and some years. NASA yeah. says that there's been about a one degree centigrade rise in the past 250 years, and <clears throat> there has been, and about two thirds of that has happened since 1975. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're with 350, Eugene, uh, yeah. and yes. there's a drawdown campaign. Yes. I assume that's Talking about drawing down that number. You've got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we focus on local climate action. That's not obvious from our name. And we have been, for about the past two years, pretty heavily focused on Eugene's climate action plan, uh-huh. bird-dogging that uh, process and having as much input as we can to try to help 
tell uh, those who are making that uh, plan um, how it's going, what the community sees, how we're reacting to what's happening. And we have been supporting anything that's happening along those lines that we think is going to be successful for helping to pull down our emissions. And we are resisting anything that uh, we think is going to be a failure, which has been the bulk, uh, it's fair to say, of the work that has happened so far. Now, the, uh, you talk about the climate action plan for the city. Right. And uh, did they first develop one 10 years ago? Is that what I got? Exactly. Mm -hmm. The first uh, climate action plan in Eugene was developed in 2010. It was done by a, a good design method. Mm -hmm. And for its time, it was really a pretty, pretty good product, but mm -hmm. it wasn't kept up over the years. So in 2014, the council passed what's called the Climate Recovery Ordinance, or CRO. And in the Climate Recovery Ordinance, they spelled out the goals mm -hmm. that had been lacking for uh, those emission reductions that we were just talking about, and in particular set specific uh, emission reduction goals for 2030 and further out. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and those uh, goals were really, they're really quite good. They're still the goals that we're working with. They mm -hmm. were revised a bit in 2016 to make them even stronger, um, but they are, are very, very good goals. So that's the climate recovery ordinance. What can what does what can the city do on that level? What uh, and obviously they have their own buildings and their own infrastructure and things like that. But what um, what do you what do you want the city to do? There's lots that any jurisdiction can do on many many different levels. As you point out, there is control of emissions from the city's own internal operations, mm -hmm. and they have looked at that. In fact, it only accounts for one or two percent of all the community emissions. However, so. The internal operations are important, but they're a small percentage. The community side, about 98% of all local emissions, is really the meat of it and where the, the main emphasis needs to be put. And that's what the Climate Action Plan 2.0, as, as opposed to the 2010 one, um, is supposed to address. But it misses the mark just terribly. The community side, so, I mean, what's... Is the major thing just people in cars? Mm -hmm. That's a big part of it. <clears throat> um, the place to start, again, a, a climate action plan, <clears throat> we call those CAPS, have been developed by many, many uh, jurisdictions across the world and certainly across the United States. Um, it's In a way, it's not rocket science. There's even... Uh, guidance from reputable organizations about how one goes about that, right? Mm -hmm. And the, one of the very first steps, in addition to setting goals, which the city had already done, is to get what's called a greenhouse gas inventory done. And that takes a look at <clears throat> where that jurisdiction's emissions are coming from. There's a couple of different ways of accounting, a couple of different methods that can be used. The most commonly used one is called the sector-based emissions model. And that's looking at emissions from, as you say, transportation, also building uh, energies that energy that is used to heat uh, buildings, energy that is used in industry to, to run their machines and such, and then waste. So sector-based emissions covers buildings, uh, transportation, and waste. And mm -hmm. almost everywhere, including in Eugene, transportation is the largest uh, slice of that, yeah. counting uh, for about 54% of our emissions, and then buildings and energy is second. And mm. here, that uh, about 30, an additional 30% of em emissions are created specifically by use of natural gas. Yeah. 
I always thought, you know, people, it's hard to change people's behavior. Indeed. Obviously, we, I, I grew up with, with cars and it's such a convenience. And um, do you have, what ideas have been thrown around to, to change people's behavior? You know, it's almost like we need rewards, you know, have a, you know, we'll, give, mm-hmm. we'll get you an ice cream cone if you take a bike instead of, a, you know, some, something to, uh, to motivate people to change their behavior. Yeah. There's not a one-size-fits-all answer for that, I yeah. would say, Rob. It is a um, difficult question, and everybody is different. My priorities are different than yours. Mm-hmm. The way that I personally produce carbon in my life is probably different than how you do that. So there's a lot of uh, individual tailoring to the changes that we would make um, individually, yeah. for sure. Um, <clears throat> and it's a question not only of individual changes, but changes at a systemic level as well. And 350 Eugene has been um, working to get our heads wrapped around those kinds of ideas as well and trying to help folks find ways that they can change both their individual uh, carbon output, their own uh, footprint, as well as engaging to help to um, motivate the city to make that systemic change. But for in both of those cases, what I would emphasize is that this is a transition. This is not something that anyone is expected to do overnight, mm-hmm. right? The more we learn, the more we're go- we will be motivated to make those kinds of changes. And essentially, we're looking at the next decade, the next 10 years as the crucial decade where big changes um, need to happen, both on that systemic level and on the uh, individual level. So it gives us a chance to plan over the next 10 years. When you're buying your next car, you might make that sure. uh, uh, um, an electric vehicle, for instance. kind of getting there myself. Good. I, I have a 15-year-old car, which is not, it's still a good car. But, I'm in a similar car. But but I, it's not a it's not a hybrid or right. an electric, and so I'm, I'm thinking about it. And then getting out of our cars as much as we can. Again, we have work groups that are um, working with the city to advocate for good policy decision-making around uh, inf- building better infrastructure for bikes, making it safer for walking. Our, our sidewalks are atrocious in this city. Yeah. Um, and there's so much that could be done to uh, make it safer for people. Another important um, component there is the idea of compact development along good transportation lines. So smaller housing in a compact area rather than spread and making sure that <clears throat> those um Smaller homes have good access to the bus and to strong infrastructure, safe infrastructure for mm-hmm. biking and, and walking. All that will help us to, again, transition away from using our cars. Mm-hmm. Um, in some of the information you gave me, you were comparing the Portland plan to the Eugene plan and that, that they had maybe some more measurable things that they yes. were, they were, they were uh, and their objectives. Right. That, um, what are some things you're asking Eugene to do that, that maybe Portland is doing? So after a two-year um, design process mm-hmm. for the current version of the Climate Action Plan, which is called the CAP 2.0, um, the draft was released, that draft of the CAP 2.0 was released just in December. Um, and all it takes is a cursory review of that in comparison to Uh, a cap like Portland's to see that, again, it is just woefully inadequate. We are terming it a plan to fail. It misses its own goals by over 50%. And there's no word for that except for um, failure. 
Um, so we are asking the council, because it's this month that the council has been asked to take the final steps for uh, completing and approving the cap. Mm-hmm. We're asking them either <clears throat> to beef that plan up considerably by adding in a whole raft of what are called gap strategies that they've been given. Essentially, all those gap strategies need to be included to make this plan strong enough to meet its goals. I just have to go back because yes. you had me reeling when you said 50 percent uh of their uh their, their plan yes. to fail yep. what what kind of measures what what do you so they have certain objectives and then you're saying that this plan only achieves 50 percent of their objectives that's exactly right the plan has goals and uh-huh. those goals have to do with cutting emissions by 50 percent by 2030 mm-hmm. these would be emissions either from those sector-based Um, sources that we talked about before, or from what are called consumption-based, or I should say and from what are called consumption-based emissions, which is emissions from everything we do in daily life. And those emissions are much greater than just those specific sector-based emissions. Anyway, the, the plan has those two specific goals or targets that are drawn from the Climate Recovery Ordinance. Uh, and the plan as it stands now, the draft that we have been shown misses those goals by over 50%, 60% for the um, <clears throat> sector-based goal. And in the in a prior iteration of this document, the consumption-based goals were missed by a whopping 102%. In other words, emissions would go up despite the plan by 2030. Now, in the current draft, essentially the consumption-based plan or uh, emissions are no longer, that target is no longer addressed. Mm. It's really only the sector-based emissions that are being addressed. I guess, I mean, there's only, there are some things that are out of the hands of the city, what they yes. can do. I mean, we have corporations, we have businesses and all the individual choices that are going on. I mean, the city can can provide direction, but it, um, but how but how do you measure? I guess it's the measuring that, mm-hmm. that it is kind of baffling. And uh, how can they measure what their plan is doing up against, you know, what things that are out Mm -hmm. of their control. It is a complex um, undertaking for sure. But Uh again, we are not alone. Um, This is being done across the country in many, many different um, cities, and everybody is facing these same same problems. So certainly with leadership and Mm -hmm. drawing together a broad-based cross-section of the community and uh, laying out the problem as we see it, and then together looking for solutions, mm-hmm. ways that we can transition over that next decade, um, so that in fact it does include businesses, it mm-hmm. does include the utilities, it does include uh, residences and the decisions that we make um, in our day-to-day life. Those are the challenges that everyone is facing. Unfortunately, Eugene's method about of going about making its climate action plan was uh, unorthodox, uh, to be polite, <laughs> and uh, did not, as I say, did not uh, yield good results. I see. And you were asking before about measure objectives and measures. For yeah. instance, probably many of your listeners have been involved in some sort of project management planning in their career, in their lives, right? And when it's a big project like this, a big and complex project, surely you have your overarching goals. But then you're going to chop that work up into various sections, and each one of those would have its own objective, and maybe sub-objectives under that. And then there will be many, many action items that would help and uh, 
coming, bringing all of that together, you would meet your goals. Um, we have the goals. We have a few action items in this climate action plan. There's not a single objective. There's no mention of a timeline over the 10 years. How There's no mention of a tracking method, how mm-hmm. uh, emission reductions would be tracked. There's no mention of who's responsible, the responsible party for whichever action. There's no mention of funding. Um, it's really a woefully inadequate uh, yeah. plan. Uh, funding, I was going to ask you about, since yeah. you brought it up. Uh, yeah. Obviously, that is one aspect where the city's hands might be tied a little bit, where they mm-hmm. they want to do more but don't have the money to do it. Yeah. Um, how do you fund such a thing? Yeah. So it's a it's a big question, again, for everybody. We don't have easy answers. I don't mm-hmm. pretend to have easy answers. But again, f- when planning for a transition over 10 years, the city is planning, all departments are planning already for how they're going to spend their money over the next two or five or 10 years. And if uh, climate planning is at the uh, core of that, that would be a step in the right direction. Now, the city did try to bring in certain um, big community players who they called uh, large lever shareholders, and then they restyled those folks uh, as the, I believe it's called the Eugene Community Cooperative. Um, And they asked those entities, there are about 12 of them, they're mostly governmental, uh, academic, uh, what am I forgetting? transportation. Um, Anyway, there are about 12 of them. And they asked those folks, what is it that you're planning to do over the next 10 years to bring down your emissions, as you're saying? What what are your plans? Mm -hmm. That's sort of a good idea. Start where um, our our big community players are already heading. Um, But they were content with taking those voluntary plans or contributions towards emission reductions and just saying, okay, that's all we're going to do. We're not going to encourage people to do more. We're not going to work with organizations to make plans. Um, We're just going to leave it at that. And so we miss our objectives by (laughs) over 60%. Uh, It was really, really a strange, curious planning process, and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And that needs to be changed. You were asking before, so what are we asking now? (laughs) Essentially, we are... Because when it was recognized that this that process, that design process was not going to yield a good result, which, by the way, was recognized a year ago. The fir- this has been a two-year process. The first uh, forecast report from the data came out in November of 2018. And what it showed was that we were going to miss these targets, as we have talked about. Um, and essentially, nothing has been added in in this year between 2018 and Uh, And now, instead, the city came up with a list of what are called gap strategy options. There are 15 or 20 of those. Uh, If those were added in to what is already uh, in the draft, it would certainly strengthen uh, the draft. Um, Essentially, all of them would need to be added in. And the process that was put in place was that it was placed in council's lap. Council will decide which of those options are added in to strengthen the cap and which are not. And again, we are encouraging, asking, pleading with the council to add all the gap strategies in because the numbers will not add up otherwise. If I was a teacher... And I had a class that I was teaching about this, and I had gotten to this point in the class. I would say, students, go home and read that gap strategy uh, plan and put together, jigsaw puzzle style, 
um, a plan to fill the gap. We know that we have a 60% gap. Come up with a way, given those options, to fill that gap. And what every student would discover is that they need to include them all. So we're asking council either to vote to include all those options at their meeting this coming uh, Wednesday, which is January 15th at noon, Harris Hall, uh, include all the gap strategies and give the uh, city staff about a month maybe to come up with a new and improved um, uh, draft. If the council feels like they cannot make that big a step for whatever reason, they can't agree to include them all or on which to include, then they should make at least a three-month extension probably, change the design process, pull in some experts from our community. We have lots of community experts in this at UO, at LCC. There's lots of people who could help. Pull those folks in to help make those objectives that we need, come up with the measures, come up with the action, and flesh this plan out so that it's something that will be successful. Now, this is just a, this is a plan. This is a, a, a blueprint for what we're going forward for. Are they aiming, for, you said, ten year, a 10-year plan, exactly. basically. Of course, there's nothing to say that six months from now we can't come up with an, an idea and implement it. I mean, within this, right? I mean, this yes. is, there's nothing final about it. Well, it would be the final, or maybe not final is not a good word, but it would, it would provide a framework. Yes. You're right. Now, if you look at Portland's um, climate action plan, it's actually very detailed. There's mm-hmm. a lot of meat in that plan. Mm-hmm. We are asking even for a skeletal framework on which an implementation plan, like you're suggesting, mm-hmm. could be built. That certainly will be the next step, and it's a big job. Most jurisdictions, I would say, aim to get the meat into the plan up front. They try to tackle those problems, bringing the, share, the stakeholders together, talking about funding, talking about timelines talking about what's reasonable and get as much of that as they can in up front that isn't going to happen with ours Uh it just cannot in this short time that we have so we're going to have to build a much more robust implementation plan and uh, that also is going to be a very big job but it is doable it must be done Mm -hmm. it's reached that time in uh, history for our planet that's what is needed yeah uh, not everybody sees it, you know, not everybody even reads the news or the paper. They're just living their lives, you know, sure. and uh, doing the best they can. Um, but they do. people do pay attention to the bottom line. That's why I still mm-hmm. think there's got to be some kind of incentive, whether it's tax or, you know, even to buy electric, you know, it's still, it's very yes. expensive yes. now. And now we saw that, you know, because they're not paying the gas tax, they want to tax these vehicles more, mm-hmm. which is not incentive to get into. You know, they're right. already expensive yep. and you want to. So, so there's some financial things that to me need to be done and incentives. If you can show that you're not driving as much or if you can show that you're carpooling more, you know, the right. demonstrable individual things, you know. Um, now, again, I'm just talking about strategies on a maybe, yeah, what a government could do towards right. its citizens. Yeah. And that kind of thinking is great. That's the kind of thinking that we need to go into our implementation Mm -hmm. uh, planning. In fact, there are uh, lots of incentives already in place for things like uh, improving your uh, heating efficiency and conservation at home, um, for businesses as well, for construction, for some for EVs, not at the um, city level, but there could be. There's all... Really, we need to think outside the box. Instead of thinking, here's the amount of money that we have. It's already going to all the programs that it's going for. Who are we going to cut if we throw in you know, uh, incentives for EVs? No. There are other ways of getting funding. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there were 
one of the problems with the cap and um, the city's approach is that really it is not um, staffed well enough. There hasn't been funding even for the basics of decent staffing. So uh, the folks who are there work very, very hard, but they just don't have the capacity to do everything that's needed. If there was somebody who was assigned to looking for uh, grant funding or other kinds of funding for these kinds of things, there's lots of green funding out there. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't have a ready, easy answer, but these are solvable problems. And um, again, planning this in terms of a transition and refocusing people to look for those solutions um, seems to be the, uh, a, better, a better view of the um, process. Um, well, let's just have few minutes left but let's talk about what the listener might be able to do i know here it is uh what january 7th and we have like you said the state of the city is tomorrow and then uh next monday is the is a city council meeting and then the wednesday after that is this final work session yes are there people you want do you want people to come to any sessions or call anybody or do anything to, to encourage all of those things. Yeah. So the three important dates again are January the 8th yes. uh, in the evening at the Holt Center. This is the State of the City uh, address given by Mayor Venice. And there will be a rally outside calling for climate action. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll be doing, of course, public uh, education handouts uh, about this issue. That's the other thing that we always do. Then the City Council meets um, twice a month. The next meeting is the 13th of January. You can give public comment at that time um, we encourage that you can also write an email to your or call your um, counselor mm -hmm. or the mayor or the city manager mm -hmm. and then on the uh, 15th of January is the work session the council work session there is no public comment at that time but we encourage people to come and show that the community is interested in having a strong and successful climate action plan come out of this so those three things immediately and then in the longer term of course um, find your way to get involved in uh, at, at both the community and systemic level as well as in your individual um, life. Um, everything that we do produces emissions. So anything essentially that we can sort of look at and analyze and change, we can help to bring the emissions down in that particular um, area. And 350 Eugene provides lots of um, opportunities for people to be involved, whatever your skills and interests and um, <clears throat> whatever you feel your strengths are, we can use those. This is such an important uh, change that has to be made and has to be made on such a short timeline that we need everybody. And anything that you can bring to this is going to be useful. Uh, and how about on the web? Obviously, 350.org is a website, but what about 350 Eugene? Yes. Is there a, a web presence? Yes, there is. We have a very nice uh, website. It, if you uh, Google 350 Eugene, it is the website that will come up um, first. Oh, okay. And there are, there are web pages that outline each of the different campaigns and work groups so that you can browse through and see what might interest you when we meet. We have regular meetings. Um, and bring what you have to offer. Thank you, Linda, for doing all this information and for doing what you do in the in the community. Uh, obviously, it's it's an emergency. It is indeed. Uh, my guest has been Linda Heil of Three Fifty Eugene, working on um, the City of Eugene's approach to climate action. Thanks again. You've been listening to Train of Thought. My name's Rob Tobias. Mm -hmm.
Until next time. Train of Thought can be heard on KEPW 97.3 in Eugene. It's also posted on SoundCloud.com slash Rob Tobias. For comments and suggestions, email Rob at RobTobias.com.